Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. If you have your Bibles, I ask you to turn over Luke chapter 19. And this is going to be the second part of a sermon we started last week. We covered point one, and we saw in verses 45 and 46, point one, this is what we, we saw. Let's look at the verses first. It says, And he went to the temple and began to cast out them that sold therein and them that bought, saying unto them, It's written, My house is the house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. And point number one, you see in your notes, our affection for the house of God should be with unbridled zeal. And so we talked about our affection for God's house and specifically talking today uh, because there's not a temple, a physical temple on Jerusalem's mount, uh, on the temple mount, but we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The body of Christ is, not only collectively, but individually. We are the temple of the Holy, uh, Holy Spirit. So we should have the right affection for each other and even for our own vessels that the Lord has given to us. And so, with affection, we saw, comes regard, loyalty, defense, and devotion. Uh, Jesus obviously was consumed with zeal for the house of God. He, we looked in the other scriptures and in, in, in the Gospels where he threw the tables over, he made a cord, and, and he was whipping it around. He was, he was chasing them out of the temple because they had made it, about them and about what benefited them. They had made it even what was convenient for them uh, in the, the temple worship instead of what God had intended for it to be. And we saw those important points for us today. We saw that we should be overwhelmed with affection for the body of Christ. If we don't have this overwhelming affection for our brothers and sisters in Christ, we have to look and, and say, man, something's wrong. Something's wrong if I don't love the body of Christ the way that I'm supposed to be loving the body of Christ. Again, we're supposed to be meeting together. We're supposed to be praying together, encouraging each other, uh, lifting each other up, exhorting one another. And again, that's how God designed it. But when we're missing that passion, when we're missing that affection, that, is zeal, that zeal that we see that Jesus Christ had, we have to understand that something's entered into our lives. Something's come into our minds. Something's come into our heart. Something has come into our lives and tried to tear down the structure, the very institution that Jesus Christ came bled, died, and rose again for. Something's affected it. Something's come in and changed our affection for that. And the last thing that we saw was that our affection affects our attendance. Our affection affects our attendance. And so that leads into the next point. I want to pray. We'll look at the next verse and get that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you again for the opportunity to worship you. Thank you for the songs that we've already uh, been able to experience um, through worship and uh, the opportunity to even give back to you a, a tangible portion of what you've blessed us with, God. And Lord, we, we're, we're grateful that we have these freedoms. We're thankful that we have this amazing grace that we're able to lift your name in. And we th we're thankful for the blood that was shed that gives us access to your throne. And Lord, I'm thankful that we have this, this body of believers and, and guests with us here today. And um, maybe there's someone here that isn't a believer. They've never surrendered their life to you, Lord. They've never put their absolute trust and surrendered their life to you. And I pray if, if there is someone like that this morning, they'll realize how amazing your love is for them and what you did on their behalf so that they could have eternal life and that they would make that decision today before they leave this place to surrender their life to you, to accept the free gift of eternal life. Lord, that 
when they leave here, they would know 100% that heaven's going to be their eternal home and not hell. And so, Lord, I ask that you would uh, just move or just speak through me, that you would be the one that's glorified. And, um, Lord, I ask that you would help us to receive this message in your word. And we'll praise you for all these things. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 47, if you have your Bibles there, if not, it'll be on the screen. It says, and he taught daily in the temple. He taught daily in the temple. Remember, he just purged the temple of everything that was wrong that man had made uh, in the temple. He, he, he cast out the money changers. He threw overthrew the tables. He got rid of all of the wrong things. And then Jesus turns around and he is teaching daily in the temple. Now, this is such an important thing because point number two in our notes is this. Our attendance to the house of God should be after the Lord's pattern. Our attendance to the house of God should be after the Lord's pattern. We already saw something earlier in this study in Luke chapter 4, verse 16. It says this, And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the, uh, the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Now, some of you know the Bible and its... Uh, um, the, the chronology and, and, and the way it goes. Some of you remember maybe this message or have studied it or taught it yourselves. And uh, you, you, you look at that verse and, and, and you realize what had just happened to Jesus when, when he goes into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stands up and reads. Uh, but some of you may not. Here's what happened to Jesus right before verse, uh, verse 16 of Luke chapter 4. Right before this happens, Jesus was out in the wilderness being tempted by the enemy, by Satan. He's being tempted in three different ways, and every single time he, defend, he, 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 he uh, combated that, that temptation with the Word of God. Now, Jesus was the Word of God incarnate. He was God in the flesh, but he combats the temptations. He combats the attacks. He, he attacks all of that with the written Word of God. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. He gets tempted with, with pride. He gets tempted with power. He gets tempted with riches. He gets tempted with all these things, combating those, again, with the Word of God. And when he is done being tempted, when he's done with the trials, when he's done being brought through the ringer, when, his, when, when he's really just, probably just really exhausted, he hadn't eaten, he hadn't drank, he's, he's been tempted and tried uh, for 40 days. It's, it's been a really, really, really hard season, if, we, if you will, of his life. Many of us would look at what Jesus was going through and think, man, I don't know that I've ever been through something like that. Now, maybe you're going through something really bad right now and you're saying, man, my health is bad, my, my finances are bad, my, my relationship is bad, uh, all these things are bad, but I, I've never been without food for 40 days. You know, I, I've, never, I've never had the devil come right in, 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 in form and tempt me and take me and, and, and do the things that Jesus went through. But Jesus went through that, and he was going through a, a really, really tough time. And I, again, I want you to look at verse 16 and see that he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. So he didn't crawl in a hole during his time of struggle or after his season of trials. He didn't crawl into isolation. Another thing he didn't do is he didn't throw a pity party. I say, I left the throne in heaven, 
And I came down here, and this is what I went, you know, some people say, well, he knew what he was getting into. Absolutely, he was God. He knew what was going on. He knew what he was getting into. But he didn't throw a pity party after he went through this great season of trials and temptations and struggles. He didn't throw a pity party. And he didn't think it was appropriate for him just to take some time away from church to get his stuff back together. Now this is important because this is God in the flesh. This was the absolute pinnacle of our example of what we're supposed to be doing in this world, how we're supposed to be living in this world. And when we see Jesus getting done with this great trial, immediately after he's baptized, immediately he enters into the ministry, immediately being tempted and tried and going through the struggle, he doesn't say, I just need to take some time off, I just need to take a break. I just need to pull back some. I need to be by my side. I, I, I need to do that. He doesn't do that. Immediately after this happens, he goes and he goes to the synagogue where there are people there seeking the Father. Where people are saturating themselves with the Word of God. Where the Word of God is being read and taught and, and exalted in the midst of that gathering. And Jesus goes there and he stands up and he teaches. He serves. He's connecting. He's not just, he, he doesn't just go in there and say, well, I'm present. Let's see what happens. He doesn't. He, he, he goes through it and he goes into where people are seeking God, the Father, and he begins to engage. He not only gathered, but he engaged. So from the time that he was a boy, he made it an important practice to attend the gathering of God's people together. To worship, to sacrifice, to teach, to pray. And again, he was God. He, if anybody had an excuse to, to miss church if because they were good enough or because they had everything together, that they, if anybody had an excuse to miss gathering together with God's people, I would think, this is just my opinion, maybe you disagree, I would think, that Jesus would be that excuse, the ones that had an excuse. Uh, so, um, are you going to be at are you going to be at worship today? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty good. Matter of fact, matter of fact, I'm all good. I don't think I need to be there. I mean, y'all going to be focusing on me anyways. And I'll, I'll I, I can miss. Jesus could have. Jesus would be the one that had the best excuses to miss gathering with God's people. He could say about his omniscience, "I know what's going to happen anyways." I know what you're going to sing, I know what you're going to say, I know what you're going to do, I know everybody's hearts, I know everybody's minds, I don't really need to be there. Jesus could have had all the excuses and all of them would have been perfectly valid. But he doesn't do any of that. He goes and he gathers with God's people to worship, sacrifice, teach, and do what was important on this earth to do. So think about that. If God in the flesh saw the greatness, the magnitude of gathering in his name for his cause, are we better than he that we could minimize the importance of gathering in that same name and for that same cause? Are we better than Jesus Christ that we can say it's not as important for me to be there. It's not as important for me to gather now. I'm going through something. I'm struggling with something. Again, we look at our, the example 
of not just God, but our Lord. If we're saved, we call him our Lord. He's our master. He's over us. He's our example. He's who we follow, and we look to him, and he's the one that says, you know what? I need to be where people are gathering in my name and focusing on me. Again, we're the family of God, but the Bible also tells us that we're not only a family, we're not only a body, but we're sheep. I want you to look in Psalm chapter 100, verse 3. It says, Know ye that the Lord, he's God. It is he that has made us, and not we ourselves. Look at this. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. We're God's people. We're the sheep of his pasture. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. I love that. I love the promises of God. We look in Scripture, Jesus said, if we are His, if we are sheep in His fold, that there's nothing that we could ever do to be pulled out of the hand of God. If, if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you have turned your back on your sins, your life. I heard a, a, a guy speaking um, here recently. Oh, it was our Beast Feast. That's what it was. <laughs> it was uh, Beast Feast. And he was, he was talking about, many of you guys have already heard this, but he was talking about how uh, he was saying that the definition of sin was found in Isaiah chapter 53 where it says every one of us has, has turned our own way uh, and, and, and essentially saying that we've gone our own way and that's what it is. When we're born, uh, we're born in sin, we're, we, we live lives of sin because we're going against God. The direction of God, his, the commands, it's, it's, it's because of the sin of Adam, it's passed upon all men. We're going our own way and it's not until we turn from our way and turn to him in faith, turn to his way, uh, that we can be born again, that we can be saved. And when we do, when we do that, when we let go of the sin, when we turn away from the sin, we turn away from our life, when we turn away from going our way and we trust Jesus Christ, the death that he paid was payment for, or the blood that he shed in his death was payment for our sins. We deserve to be on the cross because we're the sinners. He got on the cross, he paid for it, shed his blood in our place. They put him in a grave. Three days later, he rose again because he promised he would, and he said he would, and the Bible prophesied that he would, and he's God, and that's what he did, and he offers eternal life. And so when we say, I'm turning away from that, I trust Jesus Christ, his death, his resurrection, I accept him as my Lord, as my Savior, I give my life to him. It's a surrender, an absolute surrender. When we do that, the Bible says that we are put in the family of God, we are saved, we're one of his sheep at this point in time. And Jesus said if we're in that place, there's nothing that any man can do to take us out of the hand of God. That's such an amazing promise. I've shared this before that um, if, if we can't do anything to save ourselves, because that's the deal. Somebody said, you said, you've got to turn away from your sin and turn to Jesus Christ to be saved, to, to, to be his, his child. That's, that's an act of faith. That's the trust. But he had to make the way. He had to, pay, he had to pay the price. He died on the cross. He rose again. We could never do anything ourselves to gain that. And so the amazing thing is this, is if we can't do anything to save ourselves, we can't do anything to unsave ourselves. If, if we're truly saved, and again, that's, that's the tough part. Each man knows in his own heart whether you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ or not. Each person knows whether you have truly turned your back on going your way and turned to going his way. Every person knows that in their heart. 
I believe that people that have been raised in church that prayed a prayer when they were however old and, and have gone through the motions, they know in their heart of hearts whether they truly surrender their lives or not. And to the person that is maybe in their elder years and never heard the gospel until recently and again, surrender their heart. It's, it's about that surrender. It's about that trust. That's what the word faith means. And so when we're in his hands, there's nothing that we can do or anybody else can do to take us out of the hand of God, take us out of the family of God. But that shows us how important that being in the family of God, being in the fold, being in the, one of the sheep in his pasture, how important it is and how special it is to be in his fold. Charles Spurgeon said some Christians try to go to heaven alone in solitude, but believers are not compared to bears or lions or other animals that wander alone. Those who belong to Christ are sheep in this respect, that they love to get together, that they move together. Sheep go in flocks, and so do God's people. And that's so important for us to realize. Again, if you're at a place in your life where you don't feel like being close to the people of God, there's something going on in your life that you need to get right. Because God designed us when we are born again, when he puts us in his family, when we become a sheep in his pasture, it's, it's by his design, it's by the very nature of our new spiritual man that we want to be together. And again, the perfect example that we see with Jesus was when his greatest time of trial on this earth up to this point, when he goes through it, he goes and he gathers with God followers, people seeking God. Again, it's an issue of the heart. Jesus loved the temple of God. He loves the temple of God, the church, his church, the blood-bought church, that called out group out of this world unto God. Again, we should too. And I want to be clear on something this morning as well. There weren't lo local churches on every corner whenever Jesus started the church. Even in the Apostle Paul's days, it was... It was uh, hundreds of miles and thousands of miles in some instances that the churches were separated. And so there was, wasn't church, local churches on every corner like there is now. And so with that, it's, it wasn't God's plan and it's not God's plan that his people bounce from church to church, from local assembly to local assembly. His plan, just as we saw in the very first church in Jerusalem, then, it's, then it was manifested in Antioch, and then it began to be manifested in every other local body that was started. His plan was that every person that was his child would connect in a very intimate way with the local assemblies that they were placed in. To operate as microcosms of the overall body of Christ. In other words, our local church, Trinity Baptist Temple, is supposed to look like what the overall body of Christ is supposed to look like. We use our gifts, we work, and we're in this geographic area. And if every local assembly is doing that part, then we, as the overall body of Christ, are moving and operating on this earth as one body, with one mind, with one heart. And we're all striving together for the faith of the gospel. But local assemblies are those microcosms of the overall body of Christ. That's the way it should look like in this church. If you're a member of this church, you should be serving, you should be faithful, you should be using your gifts to edify one another so that we're a healthy body accomplishing the mission that we're on this earth to accomplish. The Philippian believers, the members of the, the Philippian church, they didn't bounce over to the Ephesian believers. They didn't bounce over to that assembly. They were geographically challenged, if you will, 
uh, as far as that was concerned. Now, if the church sent for help, they would absolutely help because they were one body. If Paul, who was a missionary, who was an apostle, who also acted in a, in, a, in a pastoral role, if he needed assistance, the churches would send help. Why? Because again, the, the, the local assemblies are those microcosms of the overall body of Christ. We have vital roles. Trinity Baptist Temple, as a part of the overall body of Christ, has a vital role in the mission of God that he's placed us here in Fort Worth, Texas, right next to Saginaw. We have a vital role that we are to be accomplishing. We are put together with different people and different gifts, and we're put in this location for a specific thing that a church in the very middle of New York City, it's going to be on the same mission. The mission's the same. The Savior's the same. But they're going to they're gonna look, look a little different in, in how they do things and where they do things. And makeup's a little bit different. But again, every member is a vital member with a role to accomplish in this mission that we're put on this earth to accomplish. Again, the members at the Jerusalem church, they didn't go to Antioch without being sent. There's a purpose for God's plan, and as his followers, as his people, we're supposed to just follow it. We should love the overall body of Christ. We should love the local body that we're put in. And again, our actions show that. Not just saying that we love our church, not just saying that we love the family of God, the body of Christ, but showing that we do. And partly how we do that is exactly how Jesus showed that. Gathering together, faithfully gathering and connecting. Some of you may have, maybe you were this person, hopefully not. Some of you maybe in school knew uh, someone who uh, had a, a girlfriend or a boyfriend that you never saw or never heard from. You, you had no idea. Anybody, anybody ever have that experience? That, that y'all were the people that were doing that? No, I'm just, I'm just playing. <laughs> I, rem- I remember there were times that somebody was saying, oh, yeah, I've got a, I've got a girlfriend, and, and she goes over to such and such high school or such and such middle school, and, and we'd be like, well, what's her name? Uh, and they'd say whatever name, and, oh, where's the picture, you know, and not have a picture, and, uh, and, and just talk about, oh, yeah, we, we're going to do this and do that. And, and, and after a while, you realize, I don't think they really have a relationship with this person. I think they've, they've, they've made it up. I mean, they have a relationship, but if that person's a real person, they don't have a relationship with them. It's like an like imaginary relationship this person has. Um, and so, uh, but I say that because you got to ask the question, how well does a relationship work if just one partner is connected to it? If just one person is together in it. Again, not just in theory, not just in status. Yeah, I'm dating this person. Yeah, I'm going out with this person. But in reality, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work even in a marriage relationship when one person is connected and the other person is not. It doesn't work like that. God can love us, which he does, with an amazing love. And he can be reaching his arms out every single day like he does, like a loving father does. He can be wanting to connect. He can be speaking through his word. He can be doing all these things. But if you and I aren't connecting with him, even and especially through his body, 
then the relationship isn't the way God intended for it to be. And that's why we encourage faithfulness to what we're doing this morning, attending the worship of God. It's not only time that the church is together, and it's not the only time, but it's a regularly scheduled time that we have to be together, to focus on the Lord together. So I focus on the Lord every day of my life. Praise God. That's amazing. You should. We all should. But as we gather, we're supposed to do that as well. So we should make it a point to be here because we love it and because we're important. it's important to us and we love each other. The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering because he's faithful that, that promised. Let us consider one another. Isn't that a novel idea? Let us think about one another. Let's think about other people and not only ourselves. And, and I, and I want to submit to you this morning, I think that's one of the reasons why Jesus, after he was tempted in the wilderness, went to the synagogue as it was his custom. Because it was important, not just for him to serve as our example and, and, and for him to be there, because he was, he was 100% flesh as well, 100% human as well. But I think it was about the people that were there gathering for the Lord. And I think we forget that even as members of a local body, sometimes we think only about ourselves when it comes to us being faithful to the assembling of the body. We're only thinking about, I don't feel like it. It's not necessarily important for me to be there. I'm not doing anything this evening. I'm not doing, I don't have a role or responsibility. I'm not serving in an area. It's not important for me to be there. And again, we all, all we're thinking about in that decision process is ourselves. But the Bible says here in Hebrews chapter 10, it said, why, why are you talking about it about church attendance? Because read on. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. We need to think about each other, to encourage, to push each other to love and good works. And look at the next words. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. You know what that means? That means that some people in that day had a habit of missing the assembly. When it was focused on God, when, when the people of God were gathering to worship and to hear the word of God and, and to worship and to sacrifice and all those things, there were some people that had a habit of not assembling. And so the writer of Hebrews says this, don't do that. Don't neglect gathering as the body of Christ, as the people of God. Some people have that habit, but you don't need to have that habit. You need to gather together as often as you can, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is. But he goes on and says, but exhorting one another, lifting each other up, exhorting, pushing each other, so much the more as you see the day approach, approaching. Another translation says this, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he's faithful that's promised, or he who is uh, promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some is, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You know what day it's talking about? The day of the Lord, that day of judgment. As you see it drawing nearer, consider this close proximity. It's coming nearer, that judgment day is coming closer 
And so with this reality that the judgment day is coming closer for those who are lost are going to spend eternity in hell. And for those of us who are in Jesus Christ, supposed to be on the same mission, he says, you know what? You need to not neglect gathering together. We shouldn't be more intoxicated with the temporal pleasures of this world or with our own desires and plans than we are with God's. The scripture says that we should be thinking more and more how we can stir each other up. How we can stir each other up to, to be more loving towards each other and towards God and how we can serve the Lord and serve each other more. We should not neglect meeting together to worship our God. I, I'm, I'm afraid what it would look like if we said that there was going to be a drawing for $5 million every time we gathered. I wonder what that turnout would look like. If it was focused on something that we wanted versus focused on our God. I wonder what it would look like. I wonder if, 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 if we met every, every night of the week and said, every night of the week, we're going to add $500,000 more to the pie. And we're going to continue to do that. I, I just wonder what it would look like. I wonder what the crowds would look like when, if, if we were to focus on something that, that we wanted or, or maybe something that meant something to us. And, and I think that's where we've got to do a, a heart check. Does God really mean something to us? Because again, in our example, we see that Jesus had no excuses. And he gathered because the central figure, the central purpose of gathering on, the, on that, that Sabbath day in the synagogue was the word of God, was God the Father himself. Regardless of what he was going through, regardless of his family situation, regardless of all those things, he was there. And we should encourage each other to do so. Anyone who minimizes the importance of faithfully gathering as the body of Christ, anyone who minimizes church membership, church membership involvement, I believe is either void of scriptural truth concerning church membership and involvement, or is backslidden and is seeking to fulfill their own plan and not God's plan. Again, we can simply look to the Savior and the church immediately after his departure and see the examples we need. You can look, I encourage you to read through the first few chapters of Acts, and those people were together. They were daily together. They were focusing on the Word of God. They were focusing on the doctrine. They were focusing on prayers and, and, and all those things. It was about that. D.L. Moody said, Church attendance is as vital to a disciple as a transfusion of rich, healthy blood is to a sick man. Our attendance should be after the pattern of our Lord. And lastly, move on in our text in the last part of verse 47. But the chief priests and scribes and the chief of the people sought to destroy him and could not find what they might do, for all the people were very attentive to hear him. All the people were very attentive to hear Jesus, the word. Number three is our attentive to the word of, attentiveness to the word of God is strength in our lives. 
Again, they couldn't find how to destroy Jesus. He was absolute truth. They couldn't find any way to catch him. And not only that, they had found that he had this group of followers that were very attentive to his words. There was strength in that attentiveness. There was power in their attentiveness to the word of God. And the same is true today. We have to know that God's word is still our strength today. I bet you we could give testimony after testimony at times in our life, if you're a Christian, where you have felt your weakest. And the chances are you probably have been either less in the Word of God or here, listen to this, less engaged in the Word of God. You may be in the Word of God, you may not be engaged in the Word of God. But the Word of God is strength. And it's strength because a few things. Number one, because it's God's word. It's not some random person's word. It's not some useless person's word like me or, or, or anybody. It's God's word. That's why it's strength. Not only is it strength because it's God's word, but it's strength because it's pure. It's holy. It's without spot or blemish. It's absolutely pure. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5. Every word of God is pure. He's a shield unto them that put their trust in him. I want strength, I want protection, I want help in this life. The Bible just said, every word of God is pure, and he is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Add thou not to his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. It's also strength because it is truth. It's so sad today to, to, to read so many things and to hear so many things uh, on the news and, and, and just everywhere. Uh, how people have different definitions of what's true to them. And that's called relative. Relative truth. Is, 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 it, is it, does it relate to me? Is it, is, it, is it truth to me? And I want to tell you, sadly, I recently had a, a conversation with a, with a young man who's intended to, to plant a church in a very hard area of the country. And his, his idea of what truth was in, in, in a, a particular big area uh, was completely off. And he had, he had made it subject, he made truth subject to his own desires. Not, not what it was, not what the Word of God says. And that's what so many people do today. They say, well, I don't think that really, I don't, I don't think that really applies to me. I don't think that's important for me to do or me to follow. But strength because it's truth. You, you can't dilute it. You can't take away from it. Matter of fact, we just read that if you, if you add to the words of God, he'll, he'll correct you. You'll be found a liar. But look what it says. Sanctify them through thy truth. This is Jesus' prayer for his followers. John 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so I also have sent them to the world. And for their sakes I sanctify. I set myself apart that they also might be sanctified. Look at this. Through the truth. That's what sets the followers of Jesus Christ apart, is that we're sanctified, we're set apart by his word, his truth. We follow his word. And in our following, that sets us apart. It's strength because it's eternal. God's word will never go away. Psalm 119.89, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. 1 Peter chapter 1, for all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth and flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But here's, here's the truth of the matter. God's word is strength 
in our lives if we let it be. If we let it be. You say, I'm struggling right now. Listen, there is a strength that exists in this world that's available to you every single day, night and day, 24 hours a day if you want, seven days a week. It's there, it's free, and it's the Word of God. So I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Again, there is a strength, there's a shield, there's something there. But that's the deal. We've got to let the strength. So what would have happened if those people uh, wouldn't have been there and wouldn't have been attentive to the Word of God? They would have missed out greatly. Remember what Jesus did right after his temptation. He was the word incarnate, yet he used the written word of God to battle the temptation and then went into the synagogue and taught the word of God. I think we'd have to be stubborn. I think we'd have to be foolish or both to disregard the word of God in our time of trouble. In our time of testing and trial, in our daily lives. But if we're honest, that's what we do a lot, isn't it? We go through troubles in this life, and sometimes the, the, the very last thing that we do is get into the Word of God. We go through struggles in this life, and, and, and we will go to the internet and start searching for solutions. We'll call our friends, we'll text, we'll, we'll, we'll start. We'll start reaching out in so many different areas, in different ways to try to find encouragement and strength and help through our struggle and our trial and our temptation. We'll, we'll try to do all, all these things when the greatest help and the strongest help is found in the Word of God. It shouldn't be our last resort. It should be our very first. Where we go to every day resorting to the Word of God. The musicians make their way, I, I want to remind us if, if Jesus, again, if God in the flesh didn't neglect the word, the written word, are we better than he to neglect it ourselves? He's the word incarnate. He was God. The, the word of God incarnate, walking around in flesh, and yet Jesus, he, ne he didn't neglect it. He didn't neglect the importance of it. He didn't neglect the gathering around it. It was vital to him. And if he saw it as important, let's not be stubborn. Let's not be prideful. Let's not be foolish. But let's be wise. And let's give attention to the word of God. Let's be attentive to it. And so let's do a heart check this morning. I, I want to encourage all of us to do a heart check this morning. Is your attendance to gathering as the people of God, is it after the pattern of the Lord? In difficulty, after, after struggles, whenever it's, whenever it's available, this is, that's what G, it was his custom, we saw it. After a struggle, we saw it, he was there. He, he, he gathered, he met, it was all about him. He had no excuses, yet he faithfully gathered with those who were focusing on God the Father. And so the heart check this morning is your attendance to gathering like him. Is it after his pattern? Do you love like he loved the church, the temple? 
Is that where your heart is? I mean, I love God's people. I love being around God's people. I love when we worship God together. I love when we are in God's word together. I, I, I feel connected. I feel togetherness. I love it. And if you say, no, that's not me. There's got to be a check there because that's, what, that's where Jesus was. That's where he was. He loved it. Nothing was keeping him away from gathering with God's people. He loved it, and he so loved us. And then finally, are you letting the word of God be your strength? Are you going through trial after trial, struggle after struggle, season of of difficulty to season of difficulty? Are you trying to do it all in your own strength or in the strength of the world? Are you giving attention to God's word daily so it can be that shield in your life, that protection? just as those people saw it was? Are you in God's word daily so that it can strengthen and not only strengthen you, but sustain you? That's where it's gonna be found is in God's word, that strength, that sustaining, and that shield is all gonna be found in the word of God. And so I wanna encourage you this morning, challenge you this morning, let's make sure that our hearts towards each other, to the body of Christ and toward the word of God or where they're supposed to be. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Lord, thank you for your word. And I pray that you would just move now in this invitation. Lord, I ask that you would just just work during this time, Lord. Maybe there's somebody here that is struggling with gathering faithfully. Maybe there's several people. Lord, maybe they haven't seen the importance of that in their life. Maybe this morning they saw your example. If anybody had maybe an excuse or reason not to gather it was you and yet you didn't so Lord I pray you'd move in their hearts and Lord if there's those that are struggling with being engaged in your written word on a daily basis maybe, maybe they're even reading through your word maybe they're reading scriptures but they're not engaged and they're struggling and they're floundering Lord I pray that you would just move during this time. Lord, help us to draw near to you. Lord, that you would be glorified through this. And God, if there's someone that's lost, that they would come this morning and experience that new life. Lord, we'll praise you for that, Lord, as well. And we ask all this in Jesus' name.